Welcome to Well Talked with Dr. Robert Pony, Dr. Jill Franks, and Not a Doctor Aaron Chakran. Today is episode number nine, and we will be talking about pregnancy. Yeah, I'm excited for this one because um, there's a lot of misconceptions that go around with with pregnancy. You know, while well before pregnancy even is uh, an op well not an option, just considered um, while the woman is pregnant after right after birth that's probably one of the bigger ones that kind of gets you do get a good amount of information of everything that you should do while you're pregnant but then as soon as that baby comes out everyone ignores mom and goes after the baby (laughs) so it's super important to take care of mom um but yeah let's let's start on the fitness side of things Mm -hmm. because exercise is huge um you two are the fitness experts here so Awesome. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually pass the mic off to uh, Jill first. So uh, Dr. Jill is uh, also the, the head coach for uh, our baby bod program at Weekend Warriors Bootcamp. And uh, she has uh, she's on the front lines with uh, all the mommies uh, every Monday, Wednesday, mm-hmm. and Friday. So I think uh, you'd be perfect yeah, for you to kind of start. So let's start just with the actual pregnancy phase. So when the mom is pregnant and, you know, the question comes up all the time, you know, is it safe to exercise? Will I hurt my my child? Can I run? Can I jump? What exercises are safe during pregnancy? So to answer the first question, um, you know, is it safe to exercise during pregnancy? The answer is absolutely yes. So, um, so the uterus won't just fall out? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not, the baby's just not going to come swimming out. If only it was that easy. Um, you know, but then there is a little asterisk by it, mm-hmm. and that really... Um, comes into I would never recommend anybody doing anything or starting anything that they they haven't already been doing so if you aren't exercising on a regular basis and you do become pregnant this isn't a time to you know plan for your first marathon or even really start you know a, a heavy strength training program but you know when you do become pregnant it's almost an instant feeling of um you know, you are just fully focused on, on what is growing inside of you. And now it's all about the baby and you want to do best for the baby. So, you know, if you are reading that exercise is, is good for pregnancy and you might, you know, think, oh no, I haven't been exercising in the past. There's still things that you can do. And some of the, you know, simplest and safest thing is really just start walking. Exactly. Um, walking is a great form of exercise and completely safe all throughout pregnancy. Um, also, if you've been, you know, swimming before and, and you're comfortable in the pool, that's something that you can kind of start, even if you haven't really been swimming a lot before. Um, it's very, very low impact. Um, you still get a lot of, you know, the cardiovascular fitness from swimming and a lot of benefits there. But if you have been exercising in the past, if you have been a runner, then absolutely, it's completely safe to continue running. Again, I'll put a little asterisk because I actually um, had a very strong running background. I just always imagined that I would be the type of person who who would run throughout my pregnancies. And about 12 weeks into my first pregnancy, I I just had to stop. And I was kind of sad by it, um, but I had to listen to my body. I had to stop. So I wasn't even really showing yet. I hadn't really gained much weight at all. I don't even know if I've gained, gained any weight yet but my joints were just so sore. And I had never really you know, had knee problems or really anything um, prior to that. So I knew if you know, after a run, the next two days I couldn't walk up or down the stairs because my body was so sore, 
that um, that I had to take the time and listen to my body. So I had to stop running. And I'm sure, Rob, you can talk um, a lot more about this, but it was due to the fact that my body was already starting to produce relaxin. So, you know, my ligaments were already starting to loosen up um, in order, you know, the body prepares for, for childbirth. So I listened to myself. I still, I still exercise, so I did a lot of spinning classes, which was awesome because I still laugh at all of the looks that I got um, from the other people in the class because I, I did spinning until I could no longer fit on the spin bike. Um, that being said, I lowered my intensity, um, but still I would get incredible looks from people and people commenting and asking me if, you know, my doctor knew that I was exercising and spinning while pregnant. And I was like, yes, of course, it's very, very healthy to be doing what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, that was always fun. But I guess that sort of brings me to, to the point too, is that um, yes, you can continue to exercise, but you do need to, to lower the intensity. So if it's strength training that you primarily do, lower the amount of weight that you normally do or the number of reps. Um, if it is running, you know, if you're normally running at like 80% of your max, bring that down to about 60% of your max. Um, but from a personal experience, the number one best thing you can do is, is really just listen to your 100%. body. If something isn't feeling right, then, then don't do it or get it looked at. Find out what isn't feeling right and if you can, can modify it. Um, if there's different exercises that you should be doing instead so that you can maintain um, an active lifestyle during pregnancy, but but make sure it's it's something within your your own means and in, in your new your new body. Yeah, I, I just want to before I know you're gonna have more to say and everything, mm -hmm. but I love that you brought up the relaxing hormone because that is that is the the biggest part with exercise and pregnancy. So exercise very healthy throughout all stages of life as long as you. You start, like you said, slow. It's not a time to start a marathon, and that's where... I mean, it's good if you get pregnant and you're motivated to start exercising if you haven't before, but you can't just start yeah. going nuts. Um, it has to be controlled, but that's anybody. Whatever the motivation is, you can't just go 100% into it. You have exactly. to get there slowly. Um, oftentimes, the people that will join the gym in January for <laughs> New Year's resolution start going every day for the first week get injured and then never want to go again. Mm -hmm. That's not the way to do it. But that relaxing hormone. Um, so that is the, the biggest thing that I caution pregnant or, or women wanting to become pregnant about. And not even to not exercise, it's just that your body starts to produce that hormone so that you can give birth. A lot of uh, changes happen and your, your body needs to to move to push this baby up. And so that hormone is there to make all the ligaments a lot more stretchy. Um, as they get more stretchy, you get more flexible. So I don't know if you noticed it, but did you get some superpowers? Yeah, into... slightly. I mean, I have horrid flexibility, so I think maybe it's it slightly improved, but it was still yeah. lower than normal. Yeah, but so the only problem with being more flexible is that if you're not used to it and you push yourself a little past your limits, you can still get injured. Just because the flexibility is there doesn't mean the stability is there because the muscles haven't increased proportionately to how much more flexibility there is. So um, what I like to use as an example because it's more obvious is like the ankles. Uh, and rolling an ankle is a very easy thing to do in any kind of state. It's a not very stable joint. 
but even more so when you're pregnant, when you're doing balance work on stability balls or what are the half balls? The Bosu half balls. Bosu balls? <laughs> are they always Bosu balls? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, the half ones where you need to be balancing a lot with your feet there and individual smaller muscles as well as the muscles around, but you can roll an ankle a lot easier no harm to the the fetus the developing baby but you don't want to get injured that's that's always the goal so very careful with that uh, increased flexibility with the decrease in stability that comes with it um, yeah that's yeah. that's my piece yeah no and that's that's very correct obviously um and yeah just to kind of reiterate like it's it's not something that should be avoided and it's not something that oh you have to be super you know uh, we're worried and, and, you know, ask all the specialists and go to a specialist to, to confirm whether or not you're allowed to or not. It, it's, it's not, it's not that at all. And like, like Joe was saying, and, um, it's something that is, you know, really promoted and recommended to, to actually start a, or not start a, uh, a regimen, but continue a regimen that you've been following. Uh, the rule of thumb is generally about six months prior to conception is what, you know, we should be doing not, not we, um, but women in general. Um, yeah, uh, women in general should be working out the, at generally the same intensity or same level that they have been for the last six months. So if that means you know you are a, you know an avid fitness enthusiast, then yeah, you can continue that that regimen. You can make sure that you're 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 still working out generally at the at the same level. Again, yes, there is like Jill said uh, an asterisk at the at the top of that where you have to be careful. You have to to watch certain movements and and there's certain activities that you're going to want to remove from your your list um but for the most part you can maintain that that physical fitness um yeah another great way of just making sure that you're you know you're comfortable training yes you can always go to your doctor and and see what they say it's important to to have you know a a connection with with you know your doctor and, and at this time especially to make sure that they know what you're doing and they can give you you know tips if you're if you're you know you're not in a position where you can have anyone else you can talk to you know consult your physician uh there's also uh, a tool online that you can do you can um look up it's called the parmadex for pregnancy and it's uh basically a, a lifestyle questionnaire that you can you know fill out that'll give you you know tips and tricks and and uh, uh, basically a guide to help facilitate you into working out while you're pregnant um just like again to give you a little bit more you know you know ease of mind and allow you to you know work out without overdoing it um, another thing that you know just to touch base on fitness while pregnant kind of takes a little bit of a different definition now where we're not working out because we are trying to maintain or lose weight which is uh, i think a big thing that that is commonly misunderstood when when we say oh it's you know beneficial to train during during you know pregnancy working out in general is extremely healthy it's extremely important but it's not always geared towards weight loss and it is important that you're gaining an adequate amount of weight when you are pregnant and that it's coming on at a, a regulated uh, amount at, and, and and you're not exceeding that weight, but you also want to make sure you are putting the weight on and that you're not losing, you know, needed weight to help with, with, you know, the health of your pregnancy. 
do you want to touch base on yeah, that? Yeah, I, I actually was definitely going to, to mention that too. So you do just need to sort of change your your mind frame and your mindset on around like why why you are exercising. So if you in the past have just been exercising to, to burn calories and to burn fat, then that is where it's really important to, to make the shift into, you know, exercising to maintain that healthy lifestyle. Um, maintain the blood flow, maintain the flexibility, maintain just sort of the, the muscle and really that, that health that you will need for childbirth, but then also after mm -hmm. to make sure that you are that strong, healthy individual to take care of your baby. So exercise during pregnancy, you know, you can work on your endurance, you can work on your stamina, and that will absolutely help later for um, yeah, chasing that toddler around. <laughs> no, I love that you both brought that up because um, I, I'd like to show some statistics on that because the sports nutrition side of things I have to have to pipe mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. um, it's there's there's recommended ranges for weight gain during pregnancy. So at no point should you ever be expecting to lose weight, even if you're overweight. You shouldn't be like this. Isn't the time for dieting and weight loss. Yeah, not the time at all. Um, but now for exercise, the, the thing is for a regular population, so somebody who either exercises normally or doesn't, um, a healthy amount of weight to gain during pregnancy, again, this, this differs for different people, but uh, a healthy range is accepted to be between 25, 35 pounds. Somewhere in there is, is a good amount of weight to put on. Now, a lot of that is just fat stores that the body wants to put there. Uh, that is an evolutionary thing. We've developed that because in times of famine, we've had to put on extra and store extra because the body didn't always know there was going to be extra food. Um, so you can expect to gain weight in fat deposit. Even if you haven't really changed your eating, the body is just prone to storing that fat. That being said, with an athlete, and I don't mean just somebody who loves exercising, I mean if someone is their career is their athletics and they need to gain as little as safely possible and get back into training soon after. I mean, giving birth is going back into exercising <laughs> as hard as you were before right after birth is insane. That's like running a marathon and then doing two more the next day. Yeah. Um, but the, the safe amount that an athlete can gain, and again, career athlete, would be between 18 to 25 pounds. The reason for that big difference there is that because we don't live in a place where we have to worry about shortages in food, we can get those calories that the fetus needs and that nutrition properly without having to take in any extra and storing extra body fat because we don't have to have that risk of no food. Yeah. So as long as it's strictly monitored, again, I'm not recommending this to, to I mean, it's a very small fraction of a population that would even come close to this amount of weight gain during pregnancy. But um, there are those ranges. So even if you're exercising, you should be gaining 25 mm -hmm. to 35 pounds. And that's normal and that's fine. But uh, no matter how much you get prepared for it, some women just, they don't like seeing that mm -hmm. weight gain, but it's very different. And the exercise should never be something mm -hmm. to make you try to lose yeah, weight absolutely. while you're pregnant. Yeah, yeah. yeah just uh, now like to kind of you know, touch base on the, what, what we were talking about in terms of, you know, whether or not you're able to continue working out at the same intensity. Yes, you're generally able to, to maintain yourself while, uh, while you're pregnant, of course. But now, having said that, there is some things that you want to be mindful of, like warm, making sure you're doing an adequate warm-up so that, you know, your, your muscles are primed, your joints are primed and ready to 
to receive a, you know whatever load you're about to put on them you want to make sure you're delivering enough oxygen to both your muscles but also the fetus itself um, and you want to make sure you're ready ready to start increasing your 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 intensity gradually versus all of a sudden going from a rested state to to uh, automatically starting a full intense workout so you know some of you might not be you know accustomed to really warming up or usually skip that part of the workout which we see is very common with a lot of people it's very important now that you are pregnant that even you might have never warmed up a day in your life but now especially it's extremely important to now take the time to warm up properly and and really focus on that warm-up really focus on that cool down as well to allow your body to go back to a rested state um and just keep in mind like how long it typically should take like within 20 minutes your uh, after workout your body should be back to a resting state if as a pregnant woman if you feel like it, you're still not back to that normal level that's when you want to make sure that you're now bringing down the intensity a little bit more, allowing yourself to recover faster, making sure you're not overdoing it and putting it any undue strain on yourself that you really just don't need. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, work with sneeze. your... <laughs> I, I thought I was going to sneeze too. <laughs> but, um, and, and just be open with your, either your midwife or your OB, whoever is monitoring you, because you do have regular appointments and checkups throughout your pregnancy. They'll be monitoring your blood pressure. So just talk to them. Let them know what you're doing, um, what type of exercises you're doing. If you have any questions or concerns, I would always suggest talking to your healthcare profession um, first and, and, and going with, with their guidance also. Exactly. And uh, like there's, there's also now, having said that too, there's also things like exercises in general or like sports or activities in general, I should, I should say, that you're obviously going to not want to be doing while you're pregnant as well. Um, things like competitive uh, sports, contact sports, um, anything that is going to put you at a risk for falling um, or anything that like, like Rob mentioned, uh, you know, the BOSU ball, anything that's going to require more than average stability, you, you, you're not going to want to you're not going to want to be doing something that's going to really test your balance. Now's not the time to do it. Um, obviously scuba diving, not a good idea. Hot yoga or Pilates as well. Not a good idea during pregnancy. Um, after pregnancy, hundred percent, we can definitely work on those post, you know, delivery. But right now, like while you are pregnant, there's plenty of other options for you to, to do. Um, there's also things you want to avoid while training in general, like laying on your back is, you know, a huge one. And I'm sure Jill can yeah. elaborate a lot more on that. Um, also, a lot of people don't know standing still for a long period of time is also not recommended. Um, like I said before, anything with repetitive or strenuous movements, um, either bearing a heavy load or just constant without, with little break, you want to make sure you're avoiding, um, uh, laying on your back for uh, overly extended periods uh, again is also not recommended because it helps to, or it causes reduced uh, blood flow or venous blood flow back to your body. Um, what's another one? Um, or anything that basically is overexerting you in that moment. If you're feeling it, it like it, like Jill said before, if it's over seventy percent, sixty seventy percent of your your intensity, you want to be avoiding in general. Yeah, and I, I'll just like kind of touch on from personal experience too. So I have two um, two kids, and I 
what stayed active for, during both of my pregnancies, but actually um, the forms of exercise were quite different. So prior to getting pregnant with my first daughter, I, I was a runner. So I loved anything and all things cardio. Um, so I didn't do a lot of strength training at that time. So I did a lot of running, a lot of spin classes. Um, I just loved that stuff. So as I mentioned, um, I had to stop running fairly early into my pregnancy, but maintained a lot of spinning classes. I went on the elliptical a lot, and I did like a tiny little bit of strength training, but that would just be me in a gym, you know, thinking I should do some bicep curls or something. Hmm. <laughs> um, so, and then, you know, probably my third trimester, I was still able to do some spinning and a bit on the elliptical, but my back pain and my hips I was just so sore, like I was very, very, very uncomfortable, which I know is very common within pregnancy. Um, and then when I got pregnant with my second, I was already kind of had shifted a lot more into strength training. And it was actually because I had started teaching a mommy and baby fitness class, which I know we're going to talk a lot more about next. But when my daughter was three months old, I started um, teaching a mommy and baby fitness class. And the classes were all designed mostly um, using body weight exercises. So it was a lot more uh, strength training, stability training, um, and a lot less cardio. So very low impact um, type of exercises. And I maintained that type of training um, while you know, when I first got pregnant with my second daughter, I was still teaching that class and I sort of kept up that style of training all throughout my second pregnancy. And one of the biggest things and differences that I noticed is that in my kind of later um, end of the second trimester and beginning of the third trimester, I still felt great. Like I felt strong, you know, my back didn't really hurt very much. I noticed a real significant difference in how my body felt between my first two pregnancy, pregnancies. Um, I mean, by the end of the third trimester, does, I, in my opinion, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you're just gonna be sore and, and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But during that time when I was still, you know, not too huge and still doing like a lot of activity, I really noticed that um, leaning more towards the strength training just helped a lot in how, how I felt and functioned with my big belly. Yeah, the, the belly is a funny thing that gets overlooked <laughs> where it's like, if, if you never had a belly, now all of a sudden all your weight is shifted to the front and there's this extra weight that you've gained in a very short amount of time. That's gonna throw off your balance uh, on top of the whole instability thing we talked about, but also like everything you do is harder yeah. <laughs> just because you weigh more. And then there's changes with the blood and everything. It's just, it's a very small period of time where so many changes happen and it makes sense that everything gets more difficult and you have mm -hmm. to modify it. Um, but it does all return back to normal eventually as you, <laughs> you keep going. So yeah. it's not, uh, it's not forever. Yeah. It's definitely possible. I mean, if you look at it positively, it makes your workouts more effective with having to work less hard. <laughs> you, can, you can keep that heart rate up just yeah. the same without working as hard. Um, nutrition wise, because I, I want to just mention a calorie thing here. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people say they're eating for two and then that whole 25 to 35 pound thing that I talked about seems like a, a crazy low number. Um, you don't actually have to adjust how much you're eating really at any point throughout the pregnancy. The only time there's a calorie increase is in the last trimester. But uh, in that third trimester, like you were saying, you're, you're bigger than you've ever <coughs> been before. 
you're not moving as much. So your energy expenditure comes down. So you don't even at that point usually have to increase any calorie. And that's even athletes. So even mm-hmm. athletes at that point, their training is coming way down. Um, they can't keep up the same level as in the first or second trimester. So calorie intake can remain pretty stable throughout the pregnancy. The fetus does not take much and then you're going to be burning less. So more goes mm-hmm. to the baby anyway. So um, it's just a point I like to point out because the eating for two yeah. and all the thing. And then there's all those myths about, uh, I don't know if we talked about this, where if you get a craving, I've been hearing so much of this oh lately. <laughs> if you get a craving, I promise you, if you don't eat that thing, your baby will not turn into a strawberry <laughs> or a donut. <laughs> it's not a thing. I have a birthmark right? of that food. Yeah, get a birthmark of it or whatever. It doesn't happen, all right? <laughs> so since we're expelling myths right now, um, is it is it true that the man is supposed to gain as much, if not more weight during pregnancy. Well, yeah, just like we, we sync up with our partners yeah. uh, menstrually. Yeah. Uh, I, I can adjust yeah. to that. You are supposed to get a beer belly at this time because where else are you supposed to get a dad bod? Exactly. It has to be with the first kid. There you go. There you go, perfect. I'm banking on that. Excellent. Awesome, okay. So um, I guess moving forward, let's talk about some postnatal exercise. Yes. So now you've had the baby. <laughs> wow. Congrats. <laughs> yeah. Oh, congrats. Yes, it's a wonderful time of your life. Um, <laughs> coming from the only person who currently has children. No, it, it is a wonderful time in your life. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a very interesting time in your life. And I guess, um, so postnatal fitness, it will take on many different meanings to you. And a lot of that will come from where you started. So how active you were before you got pregnant, your activity levels you were able to maintain during pregnancy, and now what your perception is what you should be doing after having the baby. Um, so, you know, there's, there's so much in, in this topic. <laughs> um, so typically, let's just start off really, really general. Typically, you should never start exercising um, until after your six week postnatal checkup. So mm-hmm. this will be either with your OB or with your uh, midwife, you know, they'll just make sure that everything has um, repaired and your body is ready, ready to then start exercising. That being said, I do think that you should take it one step forward or further and um, do some, some checks yourself because I know for me, I, I really enjoyed the OB that I w- worked with, but my postnatal checkup consisted of, how are you feeling? Good. Okay. Okay, awesome. That's your six-week checkup. Go carry on, continue with, with your life. Do, do what you need to do. There was zero physical exam. Um, there was zero recommendations on how to start exercising again. Uh, so really, you do need to either then seek another um, uh, professional for advice, and this is where I often recommend people to see a pelvic floor physiotherapist, mm-hmm. or, or just if you are going to you know, join an exercise class, make sure that the instructor has been trained in, in postnatal fitness. Um, there are you know, certain conditions that um, occur where you shouldn't be doing doing a lot of exercise 
and you know it comes one of the most common terms that um, is thrown around a lot is is diastasis recti and that simply put is the separation between um, the abdominal muscles in the front um, so your front abs are called the rectus abdominis and diastasis just means the separation between them. So at, when you're pregnant and you have your growing belly, you know, your, your muscles will separate, but sometimes the, um, like the, the, what am I? The fascia. The fascia yeah. Thank you. In between that, that'll stretch out as well. And sometimes the muscle will actually start to separate from that fascia. And then after you have the baby, the muscles will no longer really be connected um, to that fascia. And you need to really take the time to sort of strengthen and repair that first before getting into any uh, higher intensity exercise. Um, so the majority of women are going to have some degree of separation and it's not necessarily the separation where um, that causes problems it's if you can't create any tension within that and there's a lot of ways that you can self-check um, what your separation is and I just suggest to go on onto YouTube and find a video because me describing it to you right now I mean you aren't really going to get the good visual it's fairly easy you're going to lie down you're going to do a basic crunch and just basically stick your fingers um, down your midline across your abs and you'll be able to feel not only how many fingers across the separation is but also how deep down you can put your your fingers and then in that if you are doing a bit of a crunch or a bit of a kegel if you can't feel any tension within your your abs, um, th then that is where, where a problem can, can arise. So if you can create tension, chances are it still needs to be a slow process, but you um, will be able to start exercising pretty much right away, start working on repairing that, and then gradually increase, um, increase in your intensity. Um, however, if you start exercising before the six weeks or don't listen to your body and start something really intense, uh, that's where, you know, you can have much more serious problems arise from that. Um, and, and, and that's what you're trying to avoid. Yeah. And, and that's something like, you know, what I've, I've seen quite a bit with, with a lot of, uh, you know, postnatal, uh, you know, clients where number one, a lot of them will say, oh, I, don't worry. I, I know my body. I, it hasn't been six weeks yet, but I'm, I'm ready. And yes you know your body of course no one knows your body like you do but in certain 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 circumstances it's really important for you to go that one step further like joe was saying you know it's it's very rare you know you're going to go to your trainer your doctor and and they're going to have the same the same information that you're going to have you know you're you're going to be able to know if whether or not you're you're still in pain or whether or not something doesn't feel quite right like like with the separation um that's something not to be taken lightly you're not just going to jump into a training uh, regimen and all of a sudden everything's just going to go back to normal or you're going to be able to perform the way you were performing before it you know you're not going to be able to do that number one and number two you're putting yourself at at a, an increased risk and another common misconception um with uh with this separation is that a lot and I'm, I've, I'm to my own shock a lot of people think that the more ab exercises you do the the faster you're going to be able to re recover from the diastasis and it that's not the case at mm -hmm. all it's actually putting you at at 
a tremendous amount of risk and you can further exacerbate the, the, the separation and even cause tearing, which that's something we definitely want to avoid. So wait the six weeks minimum. Uh, you're, nothing's going to happen to you. You're not going to fall off the wagon. Wait six months, absolutely minimum. Go to your doctor and, and be, be a little bit aggressive. Have them you know, request for an actual physical examination. And if they're saying it's not a big deal, they, you don't need it, seek a second opinion. You're better off wait, uh, losing you know, an additional one, two, three weeks than putting yourself in a situation where either you can't train for months on end or you're never gonna be able to train the same way for the rest of your life. It's, just, it's not worth it. Yeah, what I don't get here is the whole rush to get back to things <laughs> because pregnancy, giving birth is the most traumatic experience you can possibly have. Um, and people do actually get like PTSD from it. And I'm not surprised because uh, like there's, I can't think of many things that are more stressful on your body than birthing a child. Um, I'll never get to experience it. I, I don't envy women. So good on you, Jill. But the, the recovery phase is so important because like if, if you were going in for any other surgery and you told your surgeon, I want to start exercising a week later, they'd look at you like you were crazy. And this is a lot messier in terms of recovery damage, everything that happens there during birth. Uh, is, it, is it the epidural that makes people forget the traffic, <laughs> how, how much they went through and what the stress was on their body? That's actually a good point. I don't know, but there, there needs to be a rest. And the other thing here is that that urgency to get back is, it's good to exercise, yes. You'll never hear me talk poorly about exercise. But when we're looking at exercise, it should be something you're doing for your life. Mm -hmm. So what's six weeks when you're going to do this for the next 60 years? Exactly. So take your time recovering. Get better through just good nutrition and everything. Just walk. Try to walk around for a yeah. little bit. That's great. Prime yourself. Prime exactly. yourself. Get yourself ready to work out. Don't just jump into it. Yeah. I, I just I don't understand how... I don't know, are women just superhumans in terms of pain tolerance? Yeah. Like, well, that's just, definitely. You are, you're primed for it. But um, I don't understand what the rush is to get mm -hmm. back when something so big has happened to your body. It takes a long time for that to settle back down to normal. I mean, you've run a marathon. Jill, mm -hmm. I'm training for one. <laughs> what was the recovery like after mm -hmm. running a marathon? How long did it take? Honestly, it, it took a while and a lot of it actually um, was the mental aspect of it too because you just like sort of similar to, to childbirth. It takes about nine months to prepare for a marathon and then it's all built up into this one event and then after it happens, it is kind of, sure, there's that physical repair, but it's also that mental um, repair that just came from that big event too. And I never really actually compared it to childbirth till this moment right, <laughs> right? now, but now I'm having this revelation. I'm like, holy cow. And, and how long did yeah, the marathon it, last? <laughs> three hours and 14 minutes. Fantastic time. <laughs> and how long did childbirth last? <laughs> like it's longer and more long. stressful the whole time. <laughs> There's, I don't think any point in a marathon where you're working as hard as you are when you're giving birth. Yeah. I haven't run the marathon mm -hmm. yet. You've done yeah. both. Yeah, I no, mean, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, childbirth is longer and <laughs> right more stressful and emotional and yeah. yeah but it's accepted to rest and not yeah. do a marathon again i mean <laughs> yes, some exactly. people are crazy and they'll do it yeah, anyway no honestly really i really actually like that analogy i'm going to steal that and use that a lot now <laughs> i need to start comparing it to like iron man <laughs> yeah because <or> <laughs> yeah, sure. longer than that it needs yeah. to be hours of intense exercise physical yeah, strength absolutely and i you know that's what i try and tell the moms that i work with now too is that if you do 
I know it, it's, you know, it, it's exciting and you just want to get your body back and finally, you, you know, had this belly for nine months and now you just want to get your body back. Well, first off, your, your body's never going to be the same as it was. It, I mean, it's just not. Um, it, you can get it back quite close and, and, you know, work on it, but you just have to accept that, it, that it's never going to be the same. So if that was your number one goal, then maybe there's something else that we need to work on around there. But, um, but yeah, if you rush into it too quickly, you are going to do so much more damage awesome. and you're going to have to take so much more time off to repair from that before you can get back into it. It really is a delicate um, time frame. And that's what I tell a lot of my moms in the class. Like when I'm giving modifications, it's not because I don't think you're fit. You know, like we're not here, here to show off our fitness. It's because you're coming to me and telling me that your baby is only two and a half months old and this is the first time that you've been exercising since having the baby, then I'm not going to have you do a full jumping jack. I'm not going to have you do a squat jump. And I always tell them, don't worry. I know you want to burn the calories. I know you want to get the workout in. The intensity is still going to be high. And you can ask any of my moms. They will absolutely tell you that. Um, but the impact's going to be low. You can still have a very good even intense workout, but with removing the impact. And I know a lot of moms also uh, come to me, I actually just had one today, and, and say, oh, you know, I love your workouts, but can we do more ab exercises? Can we do more core work? And I just kind of have to remind them that actually, you know, remember when I'm giving you the, these breathing cues during the exercises, that is actually to work your core in every single movement that you're doing. And it's the one thing I always usually teach it at the beginning of each month so the beginning of each session and it's a really really simple breathing exercise that you can do and not just during exercise but it will really help um, strengthen the pelvic floor muscles strengthen the deep inner core muscles and it's just a simple breathing you can do like 10 breaths but when you're breathing in you really want to focus on just sort of relaxing the belly and actually letting it expand. I know a lot of us sometimes when we breathe in, we always think like you almost like suck in your belly. So it's sort of the opposite. You breathe in, let everything fill up and completely expand. And then on the breath out is when you want to sort of focus on bringing your belly in towards the spine. But the biggest thing is I say, engage the pelvic floor. And that really means doing a Kegel. And I often give a few, give a few analogies that always makes everyone kind of chuckle in the class, but there's no better way to describe how to do it than to either, I know you're already <laughs> laughing because you've heard me, you've been in my classes and I've been doing this, but if you're sitting on the ground, picture there's a blueberry on the floor <laughs> and you're picking the blueberry up with your vagina. I know, but seriously, until you hear that, or my other favorite one, and yes, I'm going to say it out loud, is pretend that you're drinking a milkshake through a straw through your <laughs> vagina but it really <laughs> the males may not understand I know every woman is being like oh as soon as you hear that you understand what motion you should be doing because if I'm just saying do a kegel there's probably a lot of women that, that don't know what that means so you sort of have to have those those cues to understand what that is and that motion is a lot more important than just sucking in your belly. You don't want to actually be walking around sucking in your belly the whole time. That's just going to increase all the pressure around your organs mm -hmm. and probably do more damage. 
Um, but really during the exercises, every time you're breathing out, kind of focus on doing that Kegel exercise. And no matter what exercise you're doing, you'll be working your core. You'll be working your pelvic floor and those inner abdominal muscles that need to be healed and strengthened first before we're going to be doing full on planks yeah. and, you know, crunches and sit ups, even though those you don't really need to be doing. And I, and I think, uh, like, I'm glad you, you brought that up. And I, I, I truthfully think that the idea of strengthening the pelvic floor goes unnoticed and untalked about so much. And it's, it's crazy to me that a lot of, and I've noticed this recently, a lot of women that I'm talking to when we're talking either about them being pregnant now or postnatal are unsure about the term pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. And uh, and even uh, as well, I make jokes about Kegels constantly, um, usually to men, um, but uh, which men do, to be honest, benefit from Kegels as well. So mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, but women especially. But these are things that are extremely important for you guys to do postnatal because that's what's going to allow you to start again, like you said, progress. Um, Ways that you know that you you may have a weak pelvic floor are uh, things like you know urinating a little bit when you sneeze or you cough or when you're doing jumping jacks or any any little bouncing exercises, you'll notice that you you won't be able to maintain your um, you know or c- keep your, uh, your 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 oh my god your your <laughs> keep your pelvic floor tight enough so that you're not urinating when you're doing these motions. Um, like other common exercises that you can do even when you're you're going to the bathroom let a little bit go and then hold it, you know, try to hold it for up to 10 seconds and then release. Um, and you can do that a few times per day. Um, I think even up to 10 times per day is recommended postnatal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, again, it's extremely important to be doing these regularly to help progress your, your results and get you back to working out at a, at a more complete rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, they're easy to do everywhere. You can do them on your commute to work. Yeah. I'm doing them right now. Yeah, there you go. And so I actually went to go see a pelvic floor physiotherapist because I was dealing with a lot of back pain um, after having my second child. And so I just, you know, wanted to, to go and get checked. And one of the things that, that she um, had me do, which I'm actually really, really thankful that I went to her because I never really thought about that. So when we always kind of talk about Kegels, it's always like, okay, you know, do your Kegel and you're done. Do your Kegel and and you're done. But there's different ways to do them. So you do want to, you know, um, like kind of do a Kegel and do like 10 kind of quickly in a row. But then you also want to make sure that you're doing your Kegels and holding it for 10 seconds and then relax and then do another one and hold it for 10 seconds because if you're only doing one way or the other you aren't getting um, the full strengthening and full benefits and repair of of the pelvic floor muscles yeah yeah it's like any muscle i mean yeah, there's more absolutely. than one way to work it out that's yeah isokinetic and mm-hmm. concentric and all that good stuff can you do an eccentric <laughs> No, that's why I didn't say it. I think that's, I think so. I think that's when you pee. <laughs> yeah, I think exactly. if you can attach a weight to it. <laughs> yeah. And let it drop slowly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> But even like in in our boot camp classes, you know, a lot of women, um, I'd say like in like a lot of their older women, but who have had children, always complain about the fact that they still pee a little bit during jumping jacks and they have just accepted that as being normal and that's just how it is now but that's not actually how how it should be 
And even if you are, you know, 40, 50, 60, and still, you know, pee a little when you're jumping, you can actually still work and, and fix that and repair that and strengthen it. You just need to, you know, talk to somebody who, um, who can give you exercises for, for your pelvic floor. Um, it, it, it's, it's not normal. So don't accept it as being just part of yeah. having a baby. Like, no, it, it isn't acceptable and it's not normal it means that there is something going on there that needs to be fixed and it's a lot safer and better than trying anything else because <laughs> there are different kinds of drugs or surgery mm. options but you don't why yeah why get those tries and giggles first yeah exactly. it's probably going to fix it because and it's a muscle exactly and like anything else like ladies take your time with mm -hmm. it it's not it's not a one day one week thing it's just like all the other muscles you have on your body that you worked tirelessly to develop and grow, take your time with it. It will get better. Um, just be consistent, which goes for anything. Yeah. Um, anything else on the fitness side or should we talk a little bit uh, supplement nutrition side? I'm looking yeah. forward to that. Yeah, yeah let's move into uh, that. It <laughs> uh, might not be as long as you like because I tend to be more conservative <laughs> on it. Um, for the most part, you don't need to take a million supplements for most things and pregnancy is one of them. There are a few fantastic ones that, that I recommend most women have on hand or are taking consistently. Um, so commonly, common, pretty common knowledge nowadays is a prenatal. Um, a prenatal is recommended for any woman of childbearing age, whether they're planning on having a pregnancy soon or not, because you want to ideally be having it before you get pregnant. Uh, and just to set up that that baby when it comes with the highest rate of success there. The, the big thing in that prenatal is going to be mostly the folate. So that's the big one that gets talked about a lot. Um, it's, I mean, cover your bases if you're taking a prenatal. It's basically a multivitamin with a focus on folate. So a little bit more folate <coughs> than a, a regular multi. Um, so you're, you're getting your bases covered in all the vitamins. If you're a picky eater or whatever it is, it, you've got it all in there. Um, but then the folate helps prevent against different neural tube defects, which were pretty common. The nice thing is if you haven't taken a prenatal, you don't have to panic just yet. We've got folate in our food and they add folate to a lot of things to prevent exactly this. So I think if I'm not mistaken, a lot of grains are folate fortified so that we don't have a just innate deficiency because yeah. a lot of people eat a lot of pasta. <laughs> um, so they'll put it in stuff like Ooh. that. Yeah, right. Um, not to say that just eat like garbage and it's fine, but um, a, a prenatal is a very good thing. Um, but I am picky, especially with pregnant people, um, on the types of vitamins that we're getting. So whenever we're looking at vitamins that we want to get, we want to get the best forms because you're going to be spending money on these things. You might as well get the best stuff for you. Um, the folate and then particularly the B12, because B12 is often another thing that women are higher higher chance of being low on just because of menstruation we lose a lot of b12 in the blood and it can affect energy and stuff like that um, what you really want to look for is a good quality supplement if that the, the folate i believe I, I can't remember the full name off the top of my head but the active form starts with methyl and that is it's methyl tetraphyl i forgot all of it there's some numbers in there and some <laughs> apostrophes <laughs> but it starts with methyl the other thing that i know for sure is to, to look for the the source of b12 i often myself judge a vitamin by the type of b12 it has because i 
hate that the form cyanocobalamin is used in anything. Um, so that is the least active form of B12. Um, your body has to do a lot to it. You don't absorb as much as there's two other forms. Um, it's also the cheapest form. You know what? The funny thing is it's not that much less expensive than the other ones. Really? That's the crazy part because when we have it in uh, injectable form, the, the methyl... I think is the same price as the cyanocobalamin. So really? I don't know about supplement form, if it's harder to source than it is as an injectable, but I don't think the price is that different. You're usually just paying more for the quality of everything else combined if it's not just a B12, because yeah. we have the little B12 vials there of the, the droppers from mm -hmm. a professional company, and those are like $20, and that'll last you quite a bit of time. Uh, and it's in that good form. So like, it's not a crazy expensive supplement, but it's often the, the bad form that's used and medical doctors don't really know the difference and they'll have a prenatal, what's that popular, Pregvit? What's that popular one that everyone gets around here? Pregvit is one, is, is, is is one really popular one. There's also one. another one. Um, I, I I've can't. looked at it. Yeah. I, just the vitamin forms are not the best. And these are like prescription. I'm doing air quotes over here. But they're, yeah. they're prescription vitamins that are garbage. Don't, don't get them. Yeah. Tell your doctor, thank you, but I'm going to find something else. Talk Materna. to somebody. Who, Materna, yeah, Materna. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I think I'm only remembering the Pregvit, okay. but I'm pretty sure the Materna. We can look it up now if someone wants to just Google the form. But anyway, look for the also the methylcobalamin form of vitamin B12. So you can judge pretty much what the rest of those vitamins are going to be if they have a good quality B12 and you forget all the other ones. Just remember methylcobalamin for B12 and you're, you're going to be in a good spot. So I like the, the prenatal vitamin. Uh, important stuff. You, you just want to be taking one. I mean, as soon as you're sexually active not a terrible time to start taking it just in case um, and then continue through and after the pregnancy as well so that's one that you don't have to stop taking eventually you can switch to like a multivitamin or something like that but even during breastfeeding you're going to need a little bit uh, higher of a boost in vitamins just because of all the energy you're expending in breast milk and breastfeeding and and rearing a child you often accidentally become a pickier eater depending on the child's feeding schedule and working around that it's not easy it's not easy to eat healthy all the time when you're exhausted and you can't make the foods you were making before so keeping that multi or prenatal going throughout is not a bad idea did you, did you look up no it didn't yeah. um the other big one that i love having women take and which often gets misused a lot is a fish oil um so fish oil is super important but in this period, so pregnancy and breastfeeding especially, this is one of the best times to take a high DHA fish oil. So when we look at fish oils, there's the EPA and the DHA. In almost every other condition that you're treating fish oil with or taking fish oil for, you want a higher EPA. A good quality fish oil will have at least twice as much EPA as it does DHA. That's the typical. During pregnancy, because of that developing brain, so DHA is often referred to as the, the brain juice of the, the fish oil. I might have made up the brain juice part, but it's for the brain. <laughs> Everyone thinks DHA brain boosting powers. That is actually only very true when it comes to pregnancy. If you're taking a fish oil supplement for brain boosting studying powers, you still want a higher EPA one. It actually helps more because of the anti-inflammatory effects. DHA helps because during the fetal development, 
you're being drained of a little bit of DHA and that's where that mommy brain kind of comes from because the baby needs it for the developing brain. But as outside of pregnancy and breastfeeding, your body doesn't do too much with the DHA um, compared to what it does with it in pregnancy. Um, so the DHA high fish oil is going to help with a lot of that clouded forgetfulness, kind of clouded thinking, forgetful, um, and all of that, but also help with the baby's brain development. So you do want to be taking a DHA high fish oil. Again, pregnancy is a sensitive time, so go for a high quality, something that you know has been isolated for any kind of contaminants. You don't want anything extra in there, no fillers. It doesn't need to taste like anything. It's just... It's a capsule for the most part. If you don't like capsules or, or gel caps, then then you can do a spoonful kind of thing, which doesn't taste as great, but avoid the fillers where you can. Um, and then during breastfeeding, again, a lot of the fats that come into the breast milk are being taken from mom's brain and taken a lot of that DHA, and you still get that clouded, foggy, mommy brain type of thing. So the DHA is a very good one to be taking throughout pregnancy and throughout breastfeeding. Fish oil is good for a lot of people for many reasons, and you can just switch to a different one after breastfeeding's done, but uh, keep it going at least up until breastfeeding. Again, the amount you're gonna need is gonna be individual, so I, I don't always feel comfortable giving specifics here uh, in terms of dosing, but uh, a DHA fish oil, if you talk to whoever knows a lot about fish oil near you, is going to be a, a good thing for you to take. Um, the third one that I like for pregnant women is ginger, just as a nausea thing. Um, it's very safe to take. Uh, you don't have to necessarily have a supplement of it. You can just make teas or whatever. The ginger itself has that anti-nausea effect. Some prenatals, um, I think we yeah. carry one, right? Yeah. Has ginger built into it. Most, which is, most of the, the good ones have ginger in it now. Yeah, I like that. Um, again, it doesn't work for everybody, and some people have such bad nausea that nothing works, mm -hmm. but at least start with trying a ginger first because it's perfectly safe in pregnancy. You don't need to take a lot of it, and it can crush that nausea if it works well for you pretty quickly and uh, effectively. Um, outside of that, diet's going to be the biggest thing. So pre-pregnancy, during pregnancy, post-pregnancy. Again, those cravings, I know they're tough <laughs> and you can definitely have some things once in a while, but think, don't think you're eating for two, but think that you're, you're nutritionally advising two people yeah. now and you have someone who's completely reliant on what you're eating and you, you wanna set them up from success from what they're being made of. Like, remember what you're eating now is creating a human. So if you want a human that's made out of Coca-Cola and chips, <laughs> and then you're frustrated with, with hyperactivity, that could start from the womb development of the child. So I mean, have your cravings once in a while, I get it. Well, I will never fully get it, but I understand. Um, but really think of that bigger picture goal, like give that baby the best chance of being as healthy as possible right from the get-go. So just lots of fruits and vegetables, more vegetables than fruits are, even I have the habit of saying fruits. Fruits are, yeah, they're great. Just focus <laughs> on the vegetables. Um, good sources of protein, whether you're vegetarian or you're having meat, just make sure you're getting a good amount of protein. Um, and just vary up the colors of your foods because you're gonna get a lot of different vitamins and minerals from the different colors of different whole foods. Just try to stay away from the processed stuff and you're doing a whole bunch of good. I know there's a lot of nausea and aversions that come with mm -hmm. pregnancy as well. Um, you can try different, like supplementing can be decent if you're doing like a greens because you just can't stomach having too many on your own or a protein powder if you just really aren't getting enough meat because you can't stomach meat or anything like that. Um, so 
if you're struggling, talk to somebody about what you can do to, to help with replacing those things. But otherwise, just, just make sure you're eating whole foods and you've got most of your bait. It doesn't have to be too complicated. It does not have to be. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't as long as the other parts. <laughs> no, it was great. <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was definitely informative. Like yeah. One of the other things that I, I, I'm hoping that you can kind of shed some light on in terms of supplementation, which I want to try to make as, as much of a statement on as possible, is that the same way we're cautious about, or we, either we should be or some of us are, some of us should be a little bit more cautious about what we're eating in terms of quality and, and origin, I, I think the same needs to be said about about supplements. You know, we're we're so quick to grab the multivitamin that's at our local, you know, pharmacy or our local grocery store uh, or convenience store, uh, and just grabbing whatever whatever's on the shelf because it says multivitamin. I think that's that's something that needs to be stated that we have to be very careful with the brands and the quality that we're we're, we're shopping for. Same way you're going to be cautious of buying you know meat out of the back of someone's trunk versus in a grocery store that's reputable and that's well known and maintained should be the same way you treat your, your supplementation either way it's going into your body and it needs to be coming from a reputable source i love that you said the meat thing because i was actually i was gonna make a comparison like that <laughs> where like i thought i hated steaks and i thought they just sucked until um i got good steaks yeah. <laughs> and realize that you don't need to marinate them for 20 days yeah. to make them taste decent. <laughs> they're good on their own. Uh, but yeah, the, the reason those supplements cost less is because they're mass produced with for maximum profit, but not for your benefit. Yeah. So it's yeah the same as buying like, like you're saying meat from some sketchy place or from like a butcher who loves what they're doing and gets it from a good yeah. It's, it's really comparing like a microwave dinner to a meal you're cooking yourself. Exactly. Like, it kind of looks like what you could have made, mm -hmm. but it doesn't have the same nutritional yeah. value at all. Um, so, do take like you're putting these things inside your body. It's an investment in yourself. Get get the better quality things because you're spending the money anyway. Yeah, and like you know what? Correct me if I'm wrong. Feel free to put me on blast here. But I've regularly said to a lot of our own clientele here that I'd rather you just not take the supplement in general than take. A poor quality or something that's going to be not effective at all uh, at the end of the day if you're if you're uh, you know cautious about sp spending money or overspending on supplements you have to remember that yes you may be spending 10 or 15 dollars extra on a higher quality product but that 10 dollars that you are spending on a lower quality product is now 10 dollars wasted mm -hmm. so you've essentially just given them 10 dollars for absolutely nothing versus let's say 30 dollars on a, something that you're going to fully absorb and actually get use of. Yeah, no, not going to put you on blast because I actually spend probably more of my time as an ND taking people off supplements that they don't need <laughs> yeah. than putting them on supplements that they do. I always stress diet first because if you can change that, that's the more sustainable option. So even with pregnancy, like I, I know we've kind of gone off, but not really because once you've got the basic needs, like you don't have to supplement humans as a species have done really well at reproducing <laughs> we've taken over every part of the earth um and we didn't have supplements for 99.9 percent .9 of our history so we did just fine without them we've just come a far away from the way we ate in a good and bad way because 
I mean, now we don't have to worry about food, but also now we have too many processed foods and stuff yeah. like that. So we got to find that sweet spot in the middle where you can do everything you need to through diet. Supplements are just supposed to help, but if you can get it through food, then why not? It's more tasty. I mean, there's not really a vitamin that I'm like, yes, I love taking this because it tastes so great. <laughs> it's just, but food, I do that all the time. Yeah. I love food. But yeah, aversions really are strong in pregnancy. And I would say I definitely had way more aversions to food than I had cravings. Like I almost didn't, like I didn't want to eat anything. So it was really difficult for me knowing that like I have this baby brewing inside of me and I didn't want to feed it like I hated vegetables I hated chicken yeah. I hated so many things for such a long time so at least knowing that I was taking my prenatal and taking some supplements that while I was eating my craft dinner and donuts at least <laughs> they were still getting some nutrients yeah that is important I didn't mean to punch you on <laughs> no, <I know. laughs> um, yeah Perfect. I think that that's a pretty good one awesome well thank you guys for tuning in uh, we look forward to speaking to you next time Thanks, Have a good guys. one. Thank Bye. you.